to the Dynasty Defined Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Cothran, and this is our first dual preview of the year. Uh, everybody's excited, right? Everyone's excited for the wrestling season to be started. Everyone's excited that it's finally here. It's been a long time since NCAAs. A lot of stuff's happened. A lot's gone on. We've covered a lot of that stuff over the past couple weeks. Here we are. This is it, folks. So buckle up. Let's get ready for the ride. The Pokes are going to Palo Alto, California, taking on the Stanford Cardinal. The Cardinal apparently are making a big weekend out of this. Uh, their WrestleMania weekend, uh, really trying to bring the California wrestling community together to support the program that's back from being on its deathbed. They were going to cut the program. They brought it back. They hired a great coach in Rob Cole. The coach that was there before was a great coach, but obviously, you know, things happen and that's uh, neither here nor there, but they hired Rob Cole from Cornell. Uh, coach Cole, he, he went out and said um, that his intention is to make wrestling a for-profit sport at Stanford, getting the donors, getting the infrastructure, competing for national championships. I believe he can do it. He got Cornell there, and something Stanford has that Cornell doesn't is Pac-12 money. They got a lot of money. They got a lot of support. They got a lot of very wealthy alumni. So, and they're still, you know, that academic superior school, you know, up there with the Cornells and the Harvards of the world. So, if anybody can do it, it's him. He really helped build Cornell over 26, 27 years. He... Looks to he won't be at Stanford for that long, but he'll be there for a good while to really get them on their feet, and that's really exciting for wrestling. Um, the Pokes and Stanford have only wrestled once back in 2016. The Cardinal came to Stillwater, and uh, it was not pretty. OSU won that duel 41 to nothing, so uh, pitched a shutout and just completely dominated. Lots of uh, bonus points scored there. It was uh, a rough time for the Cardinal. But since then, they really, that old coach, he really put in some effort and some time and he recruited well. He's got some guys who are really making noise at uh, NCAAs last year and, and should do that again this year. So we'll go over that here in a second. But to watch the duel, it's on a. Uh, Pac-12 Network Online, Adam Engel tweeted out a uh, link to go watch it, and I will retweet, retweet that when we finish up here and when I post the episode in the morning. Um, this is uh, an exciting opportunity for us to watch our pokes in action. The lineups changed a little bit. Uh, some some stuff's come out over the past couple days that uh, gives us some stuff to talk about. So uh, John Smith was interviewed today. Uh, Wednesday before this episode's airing, and um, he had some things to say about the Stanford situation. Um, if you get an opportunity, go listen to his interview on YouTube there. Uh, Pistols firing uh, post the media availability every week. Um, but uh, Coach said some... He got a little bit heated, and he had to hold himself back a little bit, but he said that, you know, who, who gets in trouble here? Who's responsible? for putting not only wrestling, but 11 other Stanford athletics programs on the chopping block. And then 
at the in, at the twelfth hour, uh, deciding, oh wait, we're not going to do this. We're going to keep all of these programs in place. So, um, very strange situation out there. Uh, very strange moves by their athletic director. Stanford's a extremely wealthy athletics program, not just monetarily, but in history. You know, they're one of three schools that has more national championships than Oklahoma State, um, mostly in water polo and, and swimming and sports like that. But still, I mean, you know, that, that matters. It's a big deal. So, um, you know, Coach had some choice words there that uh, he... He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't always censor himself, and and he had to, at that point. So, um, pretty interesting takes from coach there. And then he said some interesting things about uh, the lineup. He basically kind of ran down who is going and um, what uh, we're looking to see and stuff about eligibility. So, um, it's a really exciting time at uh, at Oklahoma State and for our program. And uh, it starts here with. The Cardinal. So um, we'll do a rundown here of the matches within the duel and uh, where everybody's ranked and at least according to flow. I'm going to use flow rankings uh, just because they're easy. They're available. Um, <clears throat> I know I probably should switch to Intermat. If anybody has an argument for one over the other, then uh, let me know. I, I think I'll look at Intermat's next time and we'll make a decision from there. But uh, let me know on Twitter or, uh, you know, via message, wherever, uh, which ranking you'd prefer. And uh, I can always, I'm flexible here, y'all. I don't have a uh, preference one way or the other. In the coaches poll, Oklahoma State's ranked number six and Stanford's ranked 24. Uh, Stanford advertises themselves as number 15 and, and OSU, I think, in that ranking is number uh, four. So I like that one better already than the coaches poll, at least. But uh, <laughs> that kind of is what it is. And um, I'm going to start at 174 pounds and work back to the marquee matchup of the night at 165 pounds. So uh, 174 pounds is going to be uh, Dustin Plot for Oklahoma State. Number 20 in Flo's ranking against Tyler Eichens, a junior from Anoka, Minnesota, who is number 25 in the flow rankings. Um, this is a close matchup in ranking, but uh, in, in all honesty, Dustin is a, a talent that we should see him, especially with a healthy shoulder, go out and really establish his position in the uh, pecking order of 174 pounds this year. It's a tough weight class, but uh, Dustin is every bit as talented as the best wrestlers in this weight class. And I think we're going to start to see that this weekend. So um, I, I'm not going to pick him to win by a bonus point decision or um, anything like that, but I imagine he's going to have a great weekend and, uh, and, and really establish who he's going to be for the next four years in the Oklahoma State lineup. So we'll pick that one as a decision and three points for the pokes. At 184 pounds, you have number six, Dakota Gear, against unranked Judah Doom, a senior from Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Lookout Mountain, if you uh, are a drive-by truckers fan, you should definitely check out that song. It's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the evening. But uh, anyway, Dakota, senior season, uh, from the sound of things, he didn't have the best 
ranking match weekend. However, uh, with him being a graduate senior, this is the last year of his eligibility. Uh, I can't see anybody taking that spot from him. I imagine they're going to redshirt Kyle Haas and uh, with Gavin Sticka there as a backup and probably mix him in from time to time to get him some good live experience. But uh, I imagine Dakota is going to be the guy at 184 and uh, would expect him to win by decision here. The thing about Dakota uh, in non-marquee matchups and outside of the NCAA tournament, he's he's prone to, to drop one here and there. Um, I don't think he's going to do that this weekend, but I do think he, uh, it, you know, it, he's not necessarily going to go get us a bonus point win um, against a senior, uh, an experienced wrestler for Stanford. So, uh, it's going to be an interesting match. It should be fun to watch, but I imagine Dakota's going to pick up the win there. At 197 pounds, this one somehow became intriguing because I think every match that involves AJ Ferrari is going to be intriguing. He's a lightning rod, folks. He brings out just things in people that... <laughs> it, it, it's hilarious. I I, I got to read this little text exchange that they had between each other. But earlier this week, uh, Nick Stimmett, a sophomore from York, Yorkville, Illinois, for the uh, Cardinal, he, I, it, it looks like they've been messaging each other back and forth for a while here based on these screenshots. But um, he called out AJ on Instagram and AJ... Uh, messaged him back, calling him a clown, telling him that his mouth is writing checks it can't cash, bud. Uh, and using emojis, which Nick called out. Uh, he said, you use, you use the emojis in private text too. Impressive. Hilarious. Right? <laughs> I mean, um, that uh, excessive use of emojis is usually saved for long LinkedIn posts that are diatribes telling, you know, telling people how great they are at selling. I don't know. Long link LinkedIn posts are annoying too. Um, but, uh, it's, it's just funny stuff. I, I mean, yeah, Nick is kind of talking big talk, uh, which is interesting against the defending national champion, but I love it. Right? Like, these guys, what have I been saying? Don't beat yourself before you get on the mat. Don't believe you're going to lose. So, got to be impressed with the uh, with the young man from uh, Stanford here. Um, they go on to talk a little bit more. Uh, AJ calls him a, 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 a son, son or child or kid, which is hilarious because they're the same age. So, I mean, yeah, it's just funny stuff here from AJ Ferrari and... Uh, Nick Stimmett. I, I don't think it's going to make the, the bout any any more interesting than it already would have been. Uh, but just with the extra storyline, who knows? Maybe AJ will go pin him now instead of just be winning by major decision, right? So uh, that'd be good. That'd be good for the team race if uh, if AJ could pick up the fall. I'm going to project him to do it. So there we go through three matches. We have a decision, decision, fall. So we're already up 12 to nothing for the pokes. At heavyweight... Some intrigue, right? Uh, <clears throat> John Smith said Luke Serber's going to be the guy in the Stanford duel. So, boy, was I off when I did my lineup projection. I thought Luke Serber hadn't put on weight and blah, blah, blah. Shows what I know, right? That's just kind of proof 
I'm not an insider, but uh, Luke uh, has put on some weight, and he went out in the ranking matches, and he beat Austin Harris, who is ranked number nine by Flo, and he beat Connor Doucette, who pretty solid wrestler in his own right, and uh, he's going to pick up the start this weekend, probably against Peter Ming, a sophomore from Elk Grove, California. Uh, Peter actually watched some tape on him when he was a high school re- prospect and, um, pretty good, pretty solid and heavyweight wrestler prospect, right? He, he probably, he's in that tweener stage, uh, probably wrestled 220 and, um, just kind of, if he bulks up, gets some good coaching by his junior, senior year, Peter could be a really solid wrestler. So this will be an interesting test for Luke. Uh, Luke obviously has had better training partners and, more competition in the room than Peter has. So um, it's going to be a fun one to watch, right? So technically, Luke's a sophomore too, so they're the same age. And uh, I think that uh, we could really see um, the start of something great here at heavyweight for OSU. And uh, we could see the start of something pretty good for Stanford at heavyweight too. So that should be an interesting matchup. I think... Again, Luke Serber beat Austin Harris, number nine wrestler in the country, last weekend. So um, that's going to be a fun one to watch, y'all. I, I, I'd, I'd pick the poke in a decision. Uh, is how I would do it. And that'll take us into the lower weights at uh, 15 to nothing for Oklahoma State. And at 125 pounds, you're going to have, of course, Trevor Master Giovanni, returning starter. as a sophomore. He's number 16 in the country, according to Flo. Um, he's going to be taking on Jackson Desario, a junior from McDonough, Georgia. Um, this is kind of interesting. There's a lot of California kids and a lot of Georgia kids on the, uh, Stanford roster, but in their starting lineup, there are, uh, let's see, Georgia, 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 three Georgia guys, um, which is awesome. That's awesome to see wrestling growing in the South. Um, kind of makes you wonder if OSU should open up those pipelines a little bit. I know we've got a couple guys from Florida. We've had some guys from Florida. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Steve Mako's in Florida, right? So um, would be nice to see that pipeline open up a little bit more and get some of the better wrestlers from around there. Um, of course, you know, Stanford, you're competing with the academic stuff. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But uh, Mastro... Um, again, said in the last episode, he's been working on his offense. Uh, he's an elite top wrestler. So if he can get a takedown or two, he's going to pick up a decision against the unranked wrestler from Stanford, who is a junior. So he's experienced, uh, but, uh, just, you know, a bit overmatched by a guy like Mastro, who's a great wrestler. So we're going to project that to be a decision and that'll take an 18 to nothing, advantage for the Cowboys into 133 pounds where you have Dayton Fix, the number two wrestler in the country against Jason Miranda, a sophomore from Poway, California. Um, And Dayton is going to do what Dayton does against underage wrestlers from anywhere and uh, probably pick up a tech fall or a fall. I picked here as a tech fall um, just because, uh, um, you know, Dayton coming off the freestyle season, is going to try to get legs, get takedowns, 
work those um, work those takedowns, work riding. Um, he he might work turns. I, I I think that he might just let him up and go score points. And as he gets to that last two or three takedowns, he'll start to work turns, try to you know make sure we get the five point tech fall and uh, make sure that uh, you know the the team is taken care of, but make sure that he's working towards scoring those bonus points because we have to get that from Dayton this year. Um, he has to go score bonus points in duels and in tournaments for Oklahoma State to have a chance to uh, achieve the goals that they need to achieve. Uh, going to have Dayton as a tech fall there, which is going to put him at 3, 6, 12, 15, 18, 23 to nothing. Heading into the more intriguing stretch of the duel here. Um, so I was asked on Twitter... And John Smith brought this up in his media availability today that uh, Carter Young still isn't technically cleared to wrestle, I guess. Um, Northwestern is trying to block his transfer, which I don't know how they could do that. Uh, He didn't take a single class at Northwestern. He uh, was enrolled, but classes hadn't started and um, they fired their coaches and or they fired a coach and one ended up staying. But anyway, um, he's not there anymore. He's enrolled at OSU. He's been in the room. How can they kind of 11th hour do this? I don't know. But I know we don't really, as discussed in the last episode, we don't really mess around with NCAA stuff. So I, I think, according to Coach, Carter likely earned that spot. But unless some clarifications taken place, then I think Hone's going to be the guy that wrestles there. And he's going to take on Real Woods, the junior for Stanford out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Real's ranked number 11 in this class. And uh, he's an All-American two years ago. So Real Woods, um, he's a really extremely solid wrestler. I mean, he's he's one of the best prospects in the country in that... uh, 2019 class with Travis Whitlake and Shane Griffith and um, some of those guys. I mean, he uh, he's somebody that you, you would have loved to have had at Oklahoma State. Um, coming from Albuquerque, um, that that should be Pokes territory out there, right? Uh, uh, understand going to Stanford again. Uh, it's Stanford, um, but when they were there were rumors of them cutting their program. There were heavy rumors about Real Woods being in Stillwater uh, quite a bit and uh, wanting to transfer to Oklahoma State, but really, really wanting that Stanford degree. There was even a rumor that something had been worked out where he could be enrolled concurrently, and uh, that that would have been really exciting because it would fill a need at 141 pounds that OSU has here for the next two years, right? Um, especially when you didn't know you had Carter Young. So... Um, would have been really exciting to see Real Woods in Stillwater. It's great that he's staying in Palo Alto. He's part of the Stanford program. He's going to help set that foundation for their program moving forward. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, against Dusty Hone, um, it's kind of hard to pick that matchup, right? Um, because Dusty Dusty doesn't really beat – he's not going to beat himself, right? He's a really solid wrestler. Uh, the two have met up before. 
in uh, 2020 at the Southern Scuffle, Real Woods wrestled Dusty Hone and won 6-2. He also wrestled Caden Gefeller and won 6-1. So, he's a really solid wrestler. He beat... He's beaten Dom Demas. He's beaten uh, some some really good guys, right? So, like, I don't know. It's going to be a... I think that's going to be a close match. It's probably going to be closer than 6-2 uh, to two this time around, but I'm still going to... i got to pick Real Woods. That would make it 25-3 to three after that one. I guess I should talk a little bit more about if Carter Young is the guy and he gets to go. I don't know, y'all. That's a tough, I mean, that's an interesting uh, matchup in your first bout as a varsity wrestler at Oklahoma State. I mean, he's a true freshman. We've seen, we've seen crazy things happen in those situations, right? Um, it's kind of a flashback to uh, Cade Brock pinning Cody Brewer, the defending national champion, in his first match as a, a freshman. A true freshman at OSU, so um, I don't know. I, 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 there's a, there's a lot there. Uh, I can't, in good conscience, pick either of the OSU wrestlers over Real Woods, but who knows? You know, you can see it happening, especially if it's Carter Young. Um, but I'm I'm thrilled with Dusty too. I'm thrilled to see him out there, and I I would love to uh, see that rematch. So, um, so yeah, fun stuff. Um, at 149 pounds. Becoming pretty clear that Caden Gefeller is going to be the guy. So, so Caden, uh, apparently last weekend, he wrestled really, really well. He uh, he had a great uh, just ranking weekend. He wrestled well against Travis Vastro. He wrestled well against uh, Victor Voinovich. He wrestled well against the other guys in the room who are at 149 pounds. I guess there's a lot of guys at that weight who want to go take it. Brevin Balmaceda, all those guys who thought, you know, maybe, hey, here's my shot. There's a gap in the lineup at 149 pounds. I should go try to get it, right? So, and Caden came out on top. So, um, it's been a long time coming. We've been hoping to see Caden for a while now. And uh, this is his year to really kind of redeem his reputation in Oklahoma State um, look, I don't think it's a bad reputation, you know, his first year that he wrestled, he filled in for injured Boo Llewellyn, and, um, I think he was ranked as high as number four or number five in the country at some point, right, so he had a really solid year, and then he just kind of hit a weird skid at the end of the season, and, uh, at NCAAs, he, he struggled, and, uh, you know, it, it happens, um, I'm excited to see him out there because he's a blue chip recruit. He's number 15 rated recruit in his class. He uh, had a great redshirt freshman season. He's been in the room. He's been training. Like, he's been a part of the program, right? And last season when he was needed, everybody went down at 141. And we said, all right, Caden, this is your chance, right? Like, go get it, G. And uh, he made the weight cut. Who knows what he had been walking around at. I mean, my God. Like, he didn't think he had the chance to make the lineup, so he probably was walking around at 160, 165 pounds, right? And he cut down to 141, and he showed up for Big 12s. And then if you watch 
last year's Big 12s, especially when things were on the line with Oklahoma, he was out there being the biggest cheerleader on the floor for the Pokes, even after his weekend was done. So uh, got to have a lot of respect for the guy. He's really worked his way into this position where he's going to go out and he's going to start. And he's going to take on the number five ranked wrestler in the country in Jaden Abbas, a sophomore from San Diego for the Cardinal. And uh, Jaden um, had a great year last year. He was, uh, I, I think he ended up, he ended up wrestling himself into seventh place at NCAAs. He um, had a great season. And uh, as a freshman, right? Had to kind of expect him to do a lot of the same and go out and be tough and uh, um, get a little funky and um, be that exciting wrestler that you kind of expect to see out of California kids, especially California kids as good as Jaden, who are as highly rated as Jaden. So um, it, this is a really good test for G as he comes out of his, some will call it the doghouse, some will call it whatever you want to call it. Uh, G uh, has an opportunity here to really make a statement and say, hey, I'm back, right? I'm the guy. I'm t- This is my weight. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to win. And if he does that, the weight sets up really nice for him this season. There's not really a dominant guy at 149 pounds this year. So I uh, really would love to see G go and take that. Um, with that, I, I, I am going to pick a, uh, decision for the Cardinal on that one, just based off the ranking and based off of, you know, we don't know what G's going to do. So that'll put it at, what's that? 23 to 23 to six. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to pretty much lock up the duel for the Pokes. Um, going into 157 pounds, which is going to be number 16 Wyatt Sheets against unranked Charlie Derrico, a sophomore from Flowery Beach, Georgia. Um, not much to talk about here, really. You know, we're going to, we're going to get what we get out of Wyatt. He's going to go out. He's going to wrestle a solid match. He's going to not screw up. He's going to win three to nothing, right? Or like six to two or something like that. Um, that's, uh that's what we get out of Wyatt Sheets. That's what we love out of Wyatt Sheets. It's consistent. It's it's good enough, right? Uh, it's good enough for All-American status. So go do that. Get your three points. Make it 26-6 for the Pokes. Lock in the duel. And then it's going to take us into the marquee matchup of the night, uh, which is uh, uh, Travis Whitlake against Shane Griffith. Uh, Griffith is the national returning national champion from Stanford. A lot of people thought that he was going to transfer back east. He's from New Jersey originally. There's talk about Penn State. <laughs> There's talk about Rutgers. There's talk about Michigan. Um, and he stuck. He stuck at Stanford. When they reinstated the program, he said, okay, I'm coming back. And that's uh, really, really exciting stuff for Stanford. Whitlake and Griffith have met up once before at the Southern Scuffle in 2020. Um, and everybody thought it was like a collision course for a semifinals match at NCAAs. And, uh, I think we could probably say that again this year, right? It's, uh, things go according to paper 
and it's probably Whitlake versus, versus Griffith on Friday night. We're going to get to see right off the bat the steps that Travis Whitlake has taken to become a better, more aggressive offensive wrestler this year. They talked about it in media availabilities a couple weeks ago. Um, but Travis said he's been working a lot with Joe Smith, who, if you listen to interviews from a couple years ago when Travis was redshirting, he said he couldn't take down Joe Smith. He couldn't get to his legs. Sounds like that's changed a bit. Joe notoriously has heavy hands, heavy hips. He's a great you know, defensive wrestler, and, and he, he can control guys, right? Like, that was what made Joe Smith really special was his ability to control his opponents and force them into positions that they didn't really want to be in. But uh, it sounds like that's what they've been working on. Like, it's been a very targeted Travis. You have to get to legs and get to offense. So you're going to drill with Joe, somebody you couldn't take down three years ago, and you're going to start taking him down. It sounds like he has. It sounds like he's really been working on becoming more of an aggressor, becoming more of a a fighter. And uh, we're going to get to see him against, uh, you know, the the best wrestler in the country at the weight, right? So this is his chance to really prove he's going to take that step and be that national champion contender that Oklahoma State really needs him to be here, not just this year, but over the next three years to get him and get the team to that level where, you know, we're going to win a national championship. We're going to win number 35, number 36, number 37. So this is an opportunity for Travis to really show that he can do that. It's a huge match. And for Travis, it's, shoot, for Griffith too, it's probably the biggest match of the season for until their conference tournaments. So uh, it's huge. It's a huge deal. It's a huge matchup. I hope they end it here. I hope it's electric. I hope people show up for the Cardinal. I hope there's Cowboys fans there. I'm sure the guys who are out there uh, in Gilroy with Daniel Cormier, with Kyle Kretschmer, with Nick Piccinini, like all those guys, I'm sure they're going to show up, right? Um, and it's it's going to be a, a great environment and a great duel. And if they end on that one, it could be a really electric thing. There's not going to be a question on who's going to win the duel, right? I, I've got to hear the Pokes winning 26-9 to nine because I picked Griffith to pick up a decision. But, um, you know, that's pretty good. Pretty good start to the season. So uh, hopefully we see all those things go and we see those things get a, an opportunity to shake out and we see some of our young guys perform well and Luke Serber if we get to see Carter Young hopefully we get to see him perform well against an elite competitor and then hopefully we see guys like Dustin Plott and uh, Travis Whitlake take the steps that we need them to take to show okay we're going to be semi-finalist top four contenders at NCAA's for the next three years. So, um, super exciting stuff, y'all. I'm really excited to see this play out, to see uh, um, if some of, these, some of these things come true, if if, some, if I'm wrong somewhere. Um, I love nothing more than being wrong. So, my wife tells me I relish in being wrong. But uh, anyway, uh, it's going to be a great uh, duel. And if you 
are in California. I hope you're getting out there. And uh, regardless of what happens, we're going to talk about it on Tuesday and recap it and come back to the podcast with some more information about our team. As always, I, I got a question coming up. Please ask questions on Twitter, ask questions on Anchor, ask questions on message boards. I'll see it. I'll find it. You know, we'll talk about it. Um, I want this to be interactive with y'all. So please make sure that you're interacting with me and uh, and give me something more to talk about. And I, I, I want this to be for y'all, right? So um, really excited to continue doing it. And we'll, uh, we'll talk on Tuesday after I answer this question. Our guy Kemp asked a question about um, the Stanford program being cut if they had been cut and if things hadn't gone the way we wanted he asked which three wrestlers would you want to pick up from the Stanford roster and and why and um, look the, the answer to that is obvious you know if, if you have an opportunity to pick up real our real woods Jaden Abbas and uh, Shane Griffith you've, you've got to take them those guys are immediate all-American are better contenders that replace and supplement what you lost out of the lineup from last year, right? You lost number four, Bulu Allen. If you're replacing him with Jaden Abbas, who finished seventh last year, national champion Shane Griffith, who was, again, national champion, and then Real Woods, round of 12 guy, but very easily could have been an All-American. And, uh, yeah, it's a no-brainer because you didn't qualify anyone at 141. I in going into this season, you still have gaps at that weight at 149. And then if you add Griffith at 165, you can bump Whitlake to 174. You can redshirt Dustin Plott, let him go up to 184 the next year. And you've got two years of national champion contenders at 133. 165, 174, 184, 197, right? So then you're talking about, you know, I see a lot of Hohen and Hamann about, God, how do we compete with Penn State? They got four champions, right? Four finalists, four champions. How do we compete with that? Well, that's how you do it. And they're not afraid to go get transfers. They just added one today at 125 pounds, Drew Hildebrandt, who's all-American caliber guy. He's a guy that is going to go win a lot of matches for Penn State at a weight where they've been terrible for years. I don't know. I think that is a pretty obvious choice there, but uh, you know, you go add those three guys and you make it work. Uh, you make the room deeper. You add in national champions, guys who have done it, and um, that just makes your lineup that much better. It, it gives you an opportunity to go win, you know, 35 to 40 national championships, which I think is something John Smith would love to do, right? He'd love to go out on a five or six year run where he put Oklahoma State at 40 national titles, almost doubling up Iowa, right? Quadrupling Penn State. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's an exciting topic. Thanks for the question, Kemp. I, I really appreciate it. And with that, um, we're going to call this one a night. 
Thanks so much for tuning in, y'all. So excited that the season's starting. So excited that we're going to be able to recap this on Tuesday. Um, tell your friends. Get them listening to this thing. Interact with me. Ask questions. Um, let's continue to make this the best podcast on Oklahoma State Wrestling on the greatest dynasty in college sports. Looking forward to talking to y'all on Tuesday.